This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. What a blessing it is to be part of the church. Amen. Today you're here, I believe, because you are the church. We've been singing about God and we've been singing about the church even. Uh, I love that song, uh, While We Sing. We might have a chance to sing it again. I know you've been introduced to new songs and that's purposefully. Uh, I, I believe even God coordinates every detail. That, that song really goes along with what we're going to be talking about today. Second Corinthians 11, 2, and we're going to talk about our church today. Because, again, if you've been called by Christ, and you're following Him, so you're part of this church, of the church. And contrary to popular opinion, the church is not, as you saw the video that we introduced our service with, the church is not the building, it's not the bricks, it's not any particular geographical place. And for us to understand who the church is, Jesus, God uses in the Bible a few images, uh, examples of what the church, what He sees the church to be, so that you and I may identify and begin to understand the role of the corporate body of Christ, the church. 2 Corinthians eleven two says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. And of course, if anybody knows what the church is, it's Paul. He says, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to, to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure what? Virgin. So the first imagery, that I, the, the first image of the church that I want you to think about is this idea of the bride. Because Paul was used in the New Testament, God used him in a mighty way, to bring about this imagery that the church is nothing, it's, it's the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, if you are the bride of Jesus Christ, there are three things that I want you to think about. And again, you are. Amen? Because if you belong to the church, and those of you who perhaps are, are not part of this particular membership here in this church. You're part of the church because you come from other places. You have membership somewhere else. And you're part of the greatest Seventh-day Adventist church uh, area in town. And, and so you're part of this church of God here where we are. If you are the bride of Christ, then one thing that you need to understand is that the bride is precious to the bridegroom. Amen? Now, by the way, the, the, some of you are learning Spanish on Monday night, and, and out of, uh, out of uh, this trip that we did, the mission trip that we did to Nicaragua, uh, God moved, and, 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 and now our young people are, some of them, and some of them not as young as, as some others too, are learning, and even real young kids are coming, and they're learning how to speak Spanish on Monday night at 7 p.m. here at our church. We started with the teaching English as a second language class, and after the service that we did with the uh, Nicaragua report that we give you, um, 
some people started talking about we wanted Spanish class, and we do have, happen to have um, a volunteer from the community that could do that. And so she said, I'll do it. And so as a result of that, now we have people in our church learning Spanish for the purpose, get this, of mission, of being missional. Of, of learning Spanish so that when they go on a mission trip or when they talk to people that don't know the English, that they could also witness for Christ. Can you say amen to that? So you invited to come to um, and, 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 and 7 o'clock on Monday night here at the church. But the reason why I mention Spanish is because of this. If you, if you are the bridegroom, then you are precious to Christ, who is the groom, amen? The bridegroom. And if you are precious to Christ, and I want you to know how precious you are to Christ, that He wants you to understand, and think about this, if you are, if you were a bride, or if you are a bride, or if you're thinking of being a bride in your life sometime, or if you are a groom, a bridegroom, or you will be a bridegroom of, of your husband, we understand this imagery of the bride being precious to the husband. As a matter of fact, later on in Ephesians, Jesus says that we are so precious to him that he, he loved us, that he gave his life for us. Amen? And you understand that. You know that. This is why we accepted Jesus into our lives, because we were so precious to him. And now, this, is, this goes beyond the individual worth that we have as individuals, because we all know that we value it by Christ individually. But as a corporate body, Christ sees us, and even the value multiplies because we become now this group, this community of believers that are so precious to God that He's willing to give His life for each one of us and for the church in a corporate community even more so. And so we are precious to the husband, amen? And again, in this context of the relationship, we find that all throughout the, the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, how precious we are to Christ. The second thing that I want you to think about this imagery of being the bride of Christ is that if you are the bride, if we are the bride, then the church and the bride belongs to the groom or to the bridegroom. Amen? And, and in, in the imagery, in the context of the, of the husband and wife relationship, once you get married and once you become husband and wife, then you belong to each other, amen? And you're no longer on your own. You're no longer just about you. But you're supposed to be also working together and knowing that you belong to someone else. And it's the imagery that Jesus wants us to understand when he reminds us through Paul, again, that we are, we belong to him. We belong to him. And finally, if you're the bride... The third principle that comes along with being the bride is that we also, the church, represents the bridegroom, the husband. Amen? Okay, so as the bride, we belong to the bridegroom, we are precious to him, and we represent him too. Amen? I mean, if you are husband and wife, nowadays, you know, people take on their, their last name and they, they sometimes... Uh, join the two last names, right? When single, and then you add the name of the husband. People do that, and that's fine. But the idea is the same, that you now that belong to each other, amen? 
and that you now, too, when you go, wherever you go, you don't just represent yourself, but you're now representing someone else, amen? And so the same way Jesus wants us to understand that as the bride, we represent Him wherever we go. As a matter of fact, this is one of the reasons why we are church. Because now we become, and this is part of God's plan, that through His church, He's now represented to the world. And the presence of Christ through His Holy Spirit in our lives, then, you know, we become, again, we are representatives of Him. And wherever you go, get this, the church doesn't just meet, listen to this now, we don't just meet once a week here and have worship. As a matter of fact, most of the week this building is empty. Do you know that? So this can now be the church. This is now what God had in mind for church because the church is, wherever you are, wherever you live, the church is there because you represent Christ wherever you are. As a bride. So what I need you to understand and what God is trying to bring across to us again through Paul this morning is that we as the bride of Christ, the church as the bride, we are the bride and represent Him, that we are precious to Him, that we belong to Him, and that we, wherever we are, the church is there. Now, the second imagery that I need you to, in this, uh, to see today, and, and, and we've chosen three particular images. There's many imagery that, most, a lot of imagery that is used in the New Testament and the Old Testament the Scripture to represent the relationship of the church in Christ. But these three, to me, are kind of the central in the, in the Bible. And the next one is, we are also, beyond being the bride of Christ, the church is also, listen to this, is the temple of Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 6, 16. By the way, when Paul comes along, and you probably know this, but I need to remind you this. When Paul comes into the, the New, Testament, New Testament church, when God calls him into the church, up to that point, the church had an emphasis or a focus inwardly. You remember that Jesus came to a church that he's chosen, and we're talking about the Jewish nation as a church, and he found the church to be just focusing inwardly. And they were worrying about just the things that they eat. They were just worrying about just the things that, you know, they were trying to be so perfect, and they were trying to be such a peculiar people that they forgotten along with that that they also needed to embrace and somehow Bring the hope of Christ and of this real true God, the only one God, to the rest of the world. So they were kind of looking inwardly along. And so through the ministry of Paul, God begins to remind the church. Now this is not new, but this is just reminding the church that the ministry of the church was not just limited to the people of God. And so God begins to shift the paradigm and the, and the, and the understanding of the church, the self-understanding of itself, the church, through the ministry of Paul. And this is one of the ones he gives us, one of the ideas and, and how, the methods that he uses. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.16, you, if you have that, here is what he says. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. This is my favorite, but whatever version you have. It says, oh, you do not know that the one 
No, I'm, I'm looking <laughs> First Corinthians. That's not the right. Second Corinthians, of course. You get all. Second Corinthians 6.16. Listen to what he says. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? This is what he said. For we are what? The temple of the living God. He says just as who said this? Who said this? God himself. Now, listen. Up to that point again, we remember the Old Testament, and there was a temple of God in the Old Testament. There was a tent. Remember that? Then the people developed, and there was a temple that Solomon built for God, right? Remember that? David wanted to build it, but too much blood in his hands. So God said, forget, you, you can't build it, you prepare it, and then Solomon builds a temple. And then by the time Jesus comes into the picture, we have this temple in Jerusalem, which is supposed to be the temple of God. And in this temple, there's the presence of God is there in a special way. You remember, all the, some of you may know the details of what he means and the Shekinah glory and, you know, the most holy place and, all the, and the whole imagery there. But when the New Testament comes, when Jesus comes and remembers the cross, the veil of the temple, what? Splitting half. And now, through the ministry of Jesus, and this is what Paul brings to us, that now the church, you and I, become the temple of Christ. Do you, do you get that? Because this is important. Now, and, and I, I don't want to contradict anybody, but this place in itself is not special in any particular. I mean, this place we could just bulldoze it tomorrow and build another temple over here, another church building that will accommodate more people. And eventually, hopefully, we get to do that. But this is not what is the temple of Christ. This building or any building, some religions claim that there's, there's a specific or there's just a, a special presence of God in some buildings. But according to the scripture, Paul reminds us the temple of Christ is who? Us. His people. Now, I understand this place is special, and we use it for a special ministry, and God blesses it. Don't, we're not going to argue on that, and I, I know that. But to talk about the temple, we cannot talk anymore about the temple as a building because we understand that we are the temple of whom? Of the living God. And how does that happen? Well, the church is made of real people. There's no bricks, no buildings. There's no uh, material, physical materials, but only people who now become the temple of God. And through the Holy Spirit, the temple of Christ is very real today. You and me are the temple of Christ. The church is the temple of Christ. And you know that, that through the Holy Spirit, now dwelling in our hearts, we have this presence of God. And so the Shekinah glory of, the Holy, of, of God's presence now becomes part of whom? Of us, of our lives, Amen. So please, by all means, you will never hear me refer to this place as the temple. And I know some of us refer and say, oh, you know, we're going to the temple. Well, technically, that's not right. It might, it, it might, it's, it might be a special for you, and, 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 and I, I love to come here. You know, we've been doing some upgrading, some uh, things that reflect that we serve a living God and, 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 a, and a God that wants to welcome people. And so we've been taking care of this building. That's, that's besides the point. But the real temple of Christ 
today is his church, is your heart, is my heart, is you, and is me. And if we're the temple of Christ, listen to this. I want to bring about some very, very much of, of a practical application to our lives. If we are the temple of Christ, listen to this. As the church, we must be united in Christ. Amen? Now listen. If we are the temple, we then need to get rid of this idea of independence that we just live for ourselves. It's true that salvation is a, it's a personal thing, amen, because you need to accept Christ. But the effects of salvation and what God wants to do in your life and through your life, it's actually a very much of a community experience too, a, a corporate community experience of the church of God. And so you and I be, need to begin to connect as the temple of Christ, right? If you're the temple and I'm the temple and she's a temple and he's a temple and all we are the temples, then somehow we got to learn to connect and to unite together, amen? So listen, this is why in the people of God, within the people of the body of Christ, we need to begin to form bonds to go beyond our comfort zone and begin to build friendships and relationships with people. As a matter of fact, I believe the last four years that I've been here, I know that I know leaders in this church, in this church that I've grown to really trust and love and, and, and depend on them that I know that if I sometime I get in a bino, I'm in trouble, I know that I could get I could go to them and say, listen, I need help. Because beyond just being members, beyond just being leaders, and beyond just being this corporate body, we belong to Christ. We need to be united, and we need to go beyond just the experience of once a week coming here, seeing each other, and somehow begin to reach out and form these friendships and these bonds that will unite us in whom? In Christ Jesus. So the temple of Christ is united in Christ. Folks, make no mistake, we are his temple today, amen? And the final imagery that I want you to think about before we, we we're probably going to sing that song again. I, I love that song today, Robbie, and now you've heard it for the first time and we're going to, uh, as we sing, right? That's, that's the name, that's it, while we sing, while we sing. Got the concept, not the title, but the concept is while we sing. We're going to sing that song because it really speaks about God's will for our lives. And, and this last imagery that we're going to use is just right on, on point. The final imagery that I want you to think about as the church, and again, if you accepted Jesus Christ in your life and you are, are longing to belong and you, you're longing to follow Christ in your life, then you're part of this bigger church, this, this corporate church of Christ today. Regardless of where your membership is, okay? John 10, 27 through 29. Let's read that together, and we're going we're gonna to talk about the final imagery that we have. John 10, excuse me, 27 through 29. Listen to this. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So this is not new to you, right? You've heard this verse before. 
But I want us to use it and in in, in, in kind of apply it in a different way than we use. Okay, if we are his sheep, you know you are God's sheep, amen? <laughs> Anybody once said, bad? <laughs> but we, we are his sheep, amen? But if we are his sheep, then the church is what? In the New Testament, this is imagery. And I'm going to remind you again, and you're going to go back home and you're going to read this because I know this is what you do. You go back to the scripture and you check that everything that's been said is right and you, and you apply it to your life. In Luke chapter 15, remember that Jesus uses a few parables, three parables to identify what the church is. And one of those parables is the parable of the lost sheep. Remember that? And you notice that the shepherd, the good shepherd, goes out to find the sheep that has been lost. And he's bringing it back to what? To the sheepfold. To the place where the sheep are kept, right? Because again, the sheep goes out, it's wandering outside, it's all lost. And the shepherd, who is Christ, goes out to look for the sheep that is lost. And so the last imagery that I want you to think about as a church, and, and we're going to apply this and we're going to sing about it, and now I believe God is, is, is convicting you to call you in what your next step in this being part of this church is. And maybe you've been coming to the church for a little while, maybe you're just visiting, but whatever your, your status is, or maybe you've been a long-time member of this church, or maybe you have your membership in another church, I want you to know you are part of this church, and God is calling you to move closer to what his model is for your life in being the church. And so some of that will mean that this year some of you will be called by this nominating committee to do, to be engaged in ministry in this church and to be used by God in a specific way here. But some of you also, God is, is, is putting in your mind dreams of what he wants to do through you as the church. And, and you know, God, God knows, and, and I don't, we can't really limit God to what he could do through his church, amen? But so the church is, if we're his sheep, the church is the sheepfold, right? Now, it's interesting, or, or it's very, very much important for us to understand the kind of imagery that comes along with being the sheepfold. There is, if, if we are the sheepfold, and going back to Luke chapter 15, you're going to read this at home, the lost sheep. Jesus is bringing back, or the good shepherd brings the, the sheep back to the sheepfold because in the sheepfold there is what? What word comes to your mind or should come to your mind when you think of a sheepfold as compared to the outside wondering? What, what brings you, what comes to your mind? Safety, thank you. Safety. So if, there's, if there is a word that the church needs to be described by, if there is a word that describes the reality of the context of the church, the environment of the church, or what the sheepfold is supposed to be, is a safe place, amen? It's a safe place that the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, could bring to the sheepfold lost sheep, that have been lost, that have no clue, that are hurting, that are broken, and coming back to the sheepfold, bring them back, that they, say, they feel that they're safe to come back home. Amen? Now, I'll be honest with you. As the church, this is probably the greatest challenge that we have, to make sure that we 
create or we, we, we live in a very safety environment for those who the Lord is bringing back to Him. As a matter of fact, many churches think and many people in the church feel the opposite. That if people come to the church and you see someone that's walking inside the church and they look lost, and you know what I'm talking about, if they don't look like you, if they don't dress like you, if they don't smell like you, when people come back to a church, or oh, you haven't seen them in a long time, you know, when people come back, sometimes people in church feels the need to make him feel otherwise, but the least thing they want to f- make him feel is safe coming back. And I want you to know, as a sheepfold, the church is supposed to be safe, a safe place. As the sheepfold, we must embrace other sheep. John 10, 16 also, remember that Jesus says that they are sheep that are where? In other folds. So not all his sheep gathers right now in one place, but he says so we have to be ready. We need to understand that God, Jesus, is bringing sheep to his sheepfold and that not everyone that's supposed to be here is here yet. So under the modeling of Christ, under his leadership, The church is to be concerned for those who are lost, for the wandering sheep out there, and those who are coming back, we need to make sure that we are open and embrace them as they come. We are the sheepfold. And finally, let let me make it plain to you, and I think Leighton Ford, in his book, Good News is for Sharing, the title of the book, I love that title, Good News is for Sharing, Leighton Ford. You can look it up and maybe get an Amazon.com. Debbie, he talks about this idea of being a sheepfold, and actually he gives an example of what the environment or the attitude of the hearts of the church should be. And he describes a time in his life when his little girl, Debbie Jean, got lost for about two hours. Debbie Jean, just about a 12-year-old young girl, she got lost for about two hours. And so Leighton Ford says that, tells a story that the little girl, uh, I guess she's, she, she comes home in the afternoon, the dad is, comes from school and the dad is in the study, work, you know, busy with his stuff. So the little girl says, I'm going out to the school and the school is just a few yards. She was going to play in the playground with his, her friends and so... The dad said, okay, but, you know, just be sure you take your brother. And, 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 and so she goes out. The, hour, you know, the, 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 the mother comes home, and the mother begins to ask for, for the daughter, for Debbie Jean. Well, where is she? And so the dad said, well, she's at the school. And so they go looking for her at the school playground, and they don't find her there. And so they begin to questioned the brother, and where is she? She said, well, I don't know. I, I left her here. And so, and she was playing with some friends. And so the, the father begins to panic a little bit. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you lose your, your children, uh, just, just uh, this Monday, I was with my two children um, at, 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 at Walt Disney, and, and we were in Epcot, and these places, beautiful places to go with. The, it was father and, and children, I guess the daddy time with them. But the little one, you know, the 10 years old, Giancarlo, I, I relate to this because anywhere will he disappear for about three or four seconds. I'm like, where's your brother? I was asking to the older brother, you know, Alexi, well, where's your brother? Find him, find him. Just a few seconds. I didn't see him. 
He was just coming behind me. There was a lot of people there, you know, and, and whenever I couldn't see him, I, I sent him a from, and whenever he got behind, I said, just find your brother. Get over here. Get next to me because you don't know what could happen. I mean, you know, big crowds, and, and it's this world where we are. But this father doesn't know where she is, and he starts thinking about what people do when they adult children and what can happen. And there's a little girl, and she was probably panicking, you know, she's suffering. And so he began to pray and look for the daughter. And so finally, after two hours, he thinks, maybe it's time to call the police. Maybe, maybe we need to ask for help. And then, sure enough, little Debbie Jean walks into the house, and she's like, nothing happened. You know, she's just coming back from her little trip, whatever she was at. And, uh, and he said, where you been? And it turns out that she went to buy some candy with one of her friends, which was just uh, about a half a mile from the school. And then after that, they invited her to just play a little bit longer with, to go to the friend's house. And so she was there, and two hours went by, and the dad didn't know where, the, where she was. And this is what he says. He says, during the nearly two hours that Debbie Jean was missing, he said this, nothing else mattered. I only had one prayer, he says. And I prayed a thousand times. And his prayer was, oh God, help me find her. And so Leighton Ford, thinking of the attitude of the church and the heart of the church for the lost, he says, how often... I, had I felt that same terrible urgency about people in my town who were lost from God? How often had I felt that same terrible urgency about people in my town who were lost from God? Well, listen. You are His church. Make no mistake about that. And maybe your membership is not here. Maybe your membership is in a nearby church, or maybe you are in your journey of becoming a member of a church somewhere, even here. But if you follow Jesus Christ and if you pledge your life to Him, He wants you to understand that you are His church, that you are precious to Him, that you are His church, that you are uh, the temple, you are His bride, and that you are part of the sheepfold that has this mission of going, of embracing the lost and going out. So my question to you is, do you understand who you are as a church?